Matthew 6, 19-21. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We know this verse very well. We have been heard this verse very well. If there is anyone who kind of like do savings and uh, they go a little bit overboard, people will be like, wow, he's very materialistic. You know? But I think that's not true. God desires us. Bible says righteous man leaves in inheritance for his children. Okay. Now, you want to see another contrast? Mark 10.29 I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, feels for me and the gospel will fail to receive hundred times as much as this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mother, children feel along with his persecutions in this age to come an eternal life. One says, don't show up. Another one says, hey, I'm actually going to give you if you just let it go, I'm going to give you a hundred times. The only thing you don't get a hundred times is wife. If you look at the list. Hello? I guess the Holy Spirit knows. One is more than enough. Amen? All the married men says amen. Amen. So with this, I want you to turn with me to Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. Everybody knows this. We use this in the Gospels. Everybody knows this, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So this is what many times we say. Okay, if you want to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you are saved. Jesus is Lord. And we're going to come to that single phrase, Jesus is Lord. What is that? We'll talk about it. Okay. So, look at the verse, John 15. I no longer call you servants because servants does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. For you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that lasts, so that whatever you ask in my name, my Father will give to you. If you look at this verse, the one says Jesus is Lord. The word Lord in Greek means kurios, which means master. Okay. When you say he is your master, by default, you are his slave. So let's look at that verse again. If Jesus is my Lord, my master, who am I? Slave. And look at John again. It says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. But then it explains in such a way that it's kind of like, man, one part of the gospel says, I own nothing. He owns me. Another part of the gospel says, hey, you're not a slave anymore. In fact, slave does not know what the heck master thinks. 
you're part of the circle, inner circle. But the only way you can be inner circle is just do whatever I say. It's quite contradictory and that's why we have created a theology and we created churches where some celebrate the extreme reverence of God. When they go to church, they leave the shoes outside. We don't leave it for the sake of that. We leave it because we were lazy to broom. So we don't want the, you know, things to get. And there are churches who go to the other extreme where they say, Jesus is my buddy. I'm just going to hang out there. He's going to rub my shoulder. I'm going to rub his shoulder. You know, we are just hanging, having a good time, drinking pina colada, having a good time. These are the two extremes we have created. I want you to pay attention. When the English Bible came, the first one was the Geneva Bible. In the 16th century, it was John Knox and the Calvin, all these guys, when the translators put together, they were writing the English Bible. This is crazy. They were writing the English Bible in the midst of slavery. Okay? So that's why when they wrote the Bible, they were very careful not to use that word slave. Everywhere there is a word slave, they changed it into servant. The Bible says, I just did, I'm not a scholar, I just did a little research and this is what I found out. It was too taboo to mention the word slave. So in the English Bible, you don't find the word slave. King James Version mentioned only once in the word slave. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word slave appears 800 times as a noun and 300 times as a verb. Almost 1100 times in the Hebrew the word slave mentioned. If you look at the New Testament, the word slave appears more than 150 times. You see, there are almost 1250 times the word slave appears. And the word slave in Greek means, daulos, means I don't own anything. All I have, all I am is owned by someone. Okay. It's mentioned 150 times in the New Testament. And only two, three times the word slave was literally translated. Guess where it was translated? Where it was talked about slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. But wherever it says slave, when James, the half-brother of Jesus was writing, I am a servant, actually it means a slave of Jesus. Paul was saying, I am a servant, actually talking about slave. Everywhere you see, it's all talks about slave, but they changed it and they put the word servant. Why? Because they want to be politically sensitive. Can I make a statement here? I want you to pay attention to this. Very important. Being politically correct is a sign that stupidity is contagious. Right now, we can't mention the word slave. For example, servant. You know, some of your homes, you may have domestic helpers. You can't call them servants anymore. That's why we have a politically termed coined word. Domestic maid, helper. Because if you say a word servant, it's, it's bigotry. It's putting them down. So what we are doing, instead of church leading the world, we're just following the world. We just want to make sure we accommodate them. We don't hurt their feelings. That's why Bligram said very beautifully, church desires every day to please the world but doesn't care 
to please God. It doesn't matter. The church doesn't care to offend God, but it cares to offend people. Okay, so let's look at the Greek word slave. Slave, it does not mean servant. It doesn't mean worker. It doesn't mean a hired hand. It doesn't mean a helper. It basically means I own nothing. He owns me everything of mine. Wow. So when you say Jesus is Lord, what are you saying? Can you read this louder? Everybody, let's read this verse louder. First one. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there is a condition here. In order for me to be saved, what is the condition? He has to own me. Have you ever thought about this word like that? It just blows my mind how many times we don't give him the authority to run our life. We say, you can come in God, but stay in the living room. And you have a guest room, I'll take you. The guest room of our life is called the prayer room. I'll take you there. I'll do you a couple of hours. Then you stay there. Then I'll go on with my life. If I need you, I can come and take Look at this word. Jesus is Lord. That means he owns everything. I own nothing. That's the only condition I can be saved. What is saved? The saved does not mean just cancellation of debts. Saved means now I can live. Wow. The only way I can live is through allowing him to own me everything. This is the healthy side of a slave. But if you look at the translations, last night I was sitting with a computer just going through so many translations, just finding out if there is at least one translation that has more mention of the word slave. It's not there. Guess what? There's only one guy. He actually died. His name is called Edgar Goodspeed. I don't know whether anybody heard. Edgar Goodspeed. He's an author and a scholar. He lived and ministered in Chicago. He died in 1962. He wrote a version of Bible. In that Bible, you will find more than 800 times the word slave. In most translations, you don't find it. It's all servants or, you know, we just make it in such a way it's pleasing to the people who hear. Jesus preached if you want to follow me, become my slave. And that's why they could not understand. When, they mentioned the, when he mentioned the word Lord, people could not understand that. They was like, how can a carpenter's son can demand that on us? We are scholars. We learned the Torah, the five books. We learned everything. We know everything. And he's asking us to put that emphasis on him. This is what I wanted to make a statement. The center of New Testament teaching is Jesus is Lord. That means he is the Kairos. That means he owns everything. It's not like, hey, tag along. I saw one billboard when I was traveling to states. You tried everything. Why not try Jesus? Hello? It's kind of appealing. You tried marijuana. You tried meth. 
you tried multiple relationships, you tried whatever, try Jesus. You see how it's reduced? The first, it was like very appealing. That's why the second statement I'm going to say will make sense why I made this. The center of modern teaching says, Jesus is your buddy and he is here to serve you and satisfy all your desires. What is the center of Bible? You, you want to live? Make him a Lord. You are a servant. He is your Kairos. That's the center of the gospel. Anywhere you turn, that's what it says. But what we preach, the center of modern church, not us, Jesus is your buddy. You can hang along, tag along. He's there to scratch your back. He's there to help you out. He's there to serve you. He's like your peon. You know, you just call him, he'll come and share. Hey, what's that, son? This is what had happened. So, with this in mind, I want you to look at this. Slave, in the context, does not know the agenda of the master. He doesn't know the agenda of the master's intention or motivation or purpose or goal or desire. But Jesus gives an other example of a Lord. He says, when you come inside my Lordship, he says in John 15. That's why John 14, 15, 16, 17 is not for the unbelievers. Many times we use this verse. Ask anything you want and my father will give you. The guy is asking another man's wife. It's not going to work. Why? Because this is not for general. John 6 is for general people who don't know about him. He says, you want to come inside of me? Take my body. Take a bite of my body. Drink my blood. Then you can take part in my life. This is to the intimate people and I'm assuming we are followers of Jesus. That's why this verse it says, if you want anything, how you wanted everything? When you accepted me as your Lord. When you don't own any part of your life, I own every part of your life. Amen. With this, I wanted to go a little slide. It's called a slave mentality and a servant and son mentality. Okay? There is a healthy side of slave what we talked about. The healthy side of slave is where we understand Jesus is my master. I am his slave. That means he owns my life. Every area of my life. Not just Sundays. Every day of my life. Sometimes we have a tendency to give Sundays to God. Monday to Friday we just check on him when we need him. Hello. I'm not saying you do that. I'm saying that's the concept many times we have. That's what religion has taught us. Religion has taught us to do something for God expecting that that thing will take care of the rest of these days. Hello. That's why I was more Sunday conscious and never be conscious of the rest of the week. So I want to focus a little shift a little bit. It, this is another side of the pendulum. So one side of slave which is surrendering everything to God that gives you the rights to become his friend. But there's another side of unhealthy side of slave where we don't know in Christ what do we possess. In Christ what do we have? So that's why this mentality I wrote down as a slave-servant mentality versus son-daughter mentality. So when you walk with Jesus, 
there are five stages. Very simple. First, you start as a slave. What does that mean? I own nothing. He owns everything of my life. Second, his servant. What does that mean? He gives me a responsibility. Am I stewarding that responsibility? A small responsibility. That's the servant stage. The third stage is become friends. Now, I can dialogue with him, share my thoughts, his thoughts. That's John 15. Okay? Amen? So, the next stage is where you understand you are not just a friend of God, that you know him as a close buddy. Now, you know that I am not an orphan. He is my father. I am co-heir, joint heirs. That's why Jesus is our elder brother and we are. Amen? And final stage is, this is the beautiful part. We are the bride of Christ. Amen? So now, what I have done is, I have just generalized these two categories. Slave and servant, I put together in one. And the rest of the three, I put together in other. So this simple analysis, it's going to be very easy for you to find out where you are at. So the first one goes like this. The mentality of a slave. It says, it's just a job. Everything that you do for God is just a job. I go to church, it's a job. I read Bible, it's a job. I pay my offering, it's a job. You know, people say, you pray because that's what Christians do. Hello? You go to church, that's what Christians do. If you don't go to church, it's not a Christian. So people ask me, you never gone to church on Sunday. I go to temple on Friday. My friend goes on Saturday. Why don't you go? Christianity teaches you activities. Kingdom teaches you relationship. Amen? So what is the first one? It's just a job. Son and daughter mentality is different. What belongs to the father belongs to me. Now there is a relationship. That's why we read 1 Timothy 2.2. Pray for the city. Jeremiah 21.29 says, pray for the welfare of the city. If the city prospers, you will be prospering. If my city is beautiful, you know, I don't know whether you've been to Paris. It's one of the beautiful cities. Barcelona. I had a privilege of visiting, ministering there. You go in the, in the streets of Paris and Barcelona, you walk down in Geneva, all those cities, you're proud to say, I'm a citizen of the city. Uh, that can happen here. You know, people say, have you been to Vellur? Come and see Vellur. You've been to Vellur? I'll pray for you. Not like that. It can happen. But it can happen when we start Seeing from the mind of God. That's why I mentioned here, what belongs to the Father belongs to me. Who owns Velur? God owns Velur. So can I trash Velur? Can I pee everywhere on Velur? You know, men has taken the responsibility to water the garden everywhere. You know? Can I do? Can I just throw my trash everywhere? No. Why? Because what belongs to the Father belongs to me. Amen? So I have to keep my garden well. Next one. Mentality of a slave. Where is my pay? How much I'm going to get out of it? Hey, it's a deal. I come to church. What are you going to give me? Listen to me. You don't come to church to receive something from God. You come to church because you already received from the Father. Amen? 
of course there are needy people who come they get touched by the lord i am not discounting them i am not despising them i am not talking less of them at all but the reality of the believers we come to church not like oh he is going to do something for me no he has already done i am here to celebrate the king of glory amen look what the son daughter says i do it because i love my father why do you worship i love my father why do you give i love my father why do you take care of your health i love my father why don't you cheat on your taxes because i love my father why i keep my city clean i love my father slave nothing is personal nothing is personal it's it's like it's okay it's just happened people people don't have a desire to live if something goes wrong in vellore it's okay originally i'm from kerala no originally i'm from andhra i'm actually you know my grandparents are from tirunelveli so for a long time i never got attached to my this city so every time when people talk about vellore i will say enga oorla tirunelveli la ninge evadi you know that the accent of tirunelveli i will immediately jump on that wagon of that tirunelveli accent and uh, but one day the holy spirit rebuked me you are actually born here in this city in this hospital i guess that's why it became famous but and then the holy spirit has to convict my soul where i have to start realigning my thought like i this is my city this is where i live this is where i pay my rent this is where i make a living this is where i pay my taxes so i cannot just talk about my great grandparents talking from palaingotta tirunelveli you know nagarkovil kanyakumari that's where they all came from i can't talk about that i have relatives there but i am rooted here so i want to pray for my city so i walked around we walk around the bridge of palar and we'll say god heal this city last year there was rain 20 years later there was rain people started jumping and there was a sign on the board do not jump on the palar you know why i'm telling you this because everything in the family is relational amen when somebody dies without knowing the lord we don't say thank god he's not my family member we say wow one soul died without knowing jesus you know number 3 a slave how he thinks he thinks i'm waiting for an approval because slave remember the healthy side of slave is i don't own anything he owns me but the the negative side of slave is waiting for approval because he can't make any decisions he can't make any decisions for himself for the master he just obey 9 to 5 job and do that sons and daughters do more than that what is that he do what the father delights so in other words he understands the heart of the father that's what you take risk you know what your dad likes my dad likes when i was young i went to states for the first time and this my dad used to like the mac turbo 3 shaver you know he's a old school guy you remember the old blade they have a, like a stick and then you put a thing and then they put a blade and then he had another stuff and then he had a soap like a toilet brush he will be like make a froth out of it have you guys ever seen those things yeah my dad is a pretty old school guy so when mac 3 turbo came it was 
triple blades and it shaves properly it comes with a shaving gel which is basically a little tiny thing you take and you brush it up it comes so much froth he never bought it because it was too expensive for him to buy so i was in states and i was looking at this mac 3 turbo offer and i knew my dad likes this i got it i didn't call him from america dad i'm standing here in walmart in front of this mac 3 turbo not my will your will be done should i get it that's what sometimes we do right in the reality we know what our father likes he has given us gifts he has given us talents he has given us all the abilities we say ah if it is really you make a sign in the sky then i will go and talk to that person for mentality of a slave it's a contract that means it goes by contract i do this you do this i come to church you better make that girl believe convince that girl lord you know i go to church i give the offering i do fasting one guy told me brother she is not responding to my text three days fasting brother i'm like that's not going to change fasting doesn't move god it moves us towards god amen and we sometimes we think like fasting is going to make god oops oh my son is fasting what should we do gabriel go with the message no fasting does not change if you fast without prayer it's called starving and you will go sooner than your original design hello amen and this is the contract it's all contract basis i do this you do this i do this you do this what is a covenant covenant is not contract it's big difference one of my friend built this place we made a contract we said okay 6 lakhs to build okay first we paid 100000 then he finished the basement then we paid another 100 we finished and the end of this when he gave the key we have to finish paying the rest 100 that's contract if one party fails the contract fails covenant is not about contract covenant says i will remain faithful even in your unfaithfulness can i have an honest answer how many of you were unfaithful yes can you honestly tell me any time that you felt god was unfaithful never we serve a covenant keeping father amen isn't it beautiful number 5 fear of failure what does that mean he cannot take risk for sons and daughters he risks with the father what is the risking with the father it's hearing god obeying and not giving up this is called risking with the father sometimes we say oh i want to make sure all the ducks in the row so that i can do this no it's not going to happen life is not fair turn to someone and say your life is not fair but your god is just amen my life is not fair your life is not fair people ask me how come you travel to the nations you know who's paying all your trips i'm like you know i say to them i don't deserve this i don't deserve what i deserve is death but my god is just amen make a determination in your heart i will take risk it doesn't matter you no need to jump from the third floor that's not risk that's stupidity risk means 
I am hearing God. I am doing it. It doesn't matter what people say of me. Let's go. One more, I think. Slave has no personal goals. <laughs> you ask a slave, what's your goal? What's your goal in next five years? Better slave? Slave is a slave. There's no personal goals. That's it. There's no dream. Where sons and daughters, they dream with the father. Some Christians have no desire to grow. Write it down, this statement, very close to my heart. Growth is intentional. You don't grow by chance. At the same time, ignorance is generational. So growth is intentional. Every single day, you got to add value to yourself. Every single day, you need to get up, you need to add value to yourself. Why? The more added value you carry, the more valuable you will become to others. And the greatest value you can add to yourself is to get to know the manual, the creator of your life. I mean, that's what we call quiet time. Quiet time is connecting with the Father who made you. Amen. So that's what it means. No personal goals. I want to challenge you. Write up, take a piece of paper. Write down the goals in your life. Write down your dreams. Write down your visions. John Maxwell says there are two kinds of people in this world. Someone who gets up early, change the world. Someone who gets up late, will be part of the changed world. Hello? Make a declaration in your heart. I'm not going to be part of the changed world. I'm going to change the world. Amen? So, slave things like this. Worldview is based on fatalism. What is fatalism? It's written. Nothing you do can change. There's a word, kismet, they say. It's already decided, brother. Whatever you do, chance illa. Have you heard that word? In Tamil, we use a lot, right? Chance illa. And people who say those words, they become the destiny of their own words. Fatalism. Everything is written. Well, in Christianity, we don't use fatalism. We have a little bit of a slight different. What is that? Will of God, brother. That's what fatalism has taught us. Christianity, we smuggled that fatalism in. Will of God, brother. Will of God. One pastor's daughter is not married. She's in her 30s. They don't want to marry. You know why? Because it's the will of God, he's saying. But little bit surface you dig it, the will of God has a coating. It's called, I will only give my daughter to the same caste. That's not a will of God. It's demon. You need deliverance, first of all. Hello? Caste is a demon. It's, you need deliverance first. Because of your worldview, you are hindering your daughter's destiny. Look at what the son and daughter do. It's based on the truth. What is the truth? Jesus. Say this after me. The opinion of Jesus is the most important opinion in my life. Amen? The last one. Slave has no rights. That means he cannot sue the master. Hey, that's what people do, no? He has allowed this persecution in my life. What to do? No. Sons and daughters says, I have inheritance with the father. Do you know you and me have inheritance? That's why the Bible says, Elder Brother Jesus has 
brought us as co-heirs, joint heirs. You know what is a joint heir? I don't know anybody loves botany. My dad got his masters in botany and he loves gardening. So he would take two plants, he will tapper cut it and he will joint graft it and he will just, you know, he loves horticulture and he just is so beautiful. The creativity comes out of that. Guess where we were? We were a branch outside. Uh, olive, wild, Bible calls us wild olive tree. We were cut off from there. Guess where we are cut from? Jesus. Now you and me have what? Inheritance. It's too good to say this. I don't know whether I should say this. I don't know whether you are ready to receive this. Can I say this? If you don't ask God your inheritance. Honestly saying, you're not walking as a sons and daughters. If you say just God, give me whatever you give. How many have you been to Burger King, McDonald's? Anybody been to your Pizza Hut, Domino's? Anybody been to? Yes? Can I see your hands? Yes? You go to the counter. I ask you, what do you like to have? Not my will, your will. Do you do that? What do you want to drink? Not my will. Your will. Where do you want to sit? Not my will. Your will. Take away or eating here? Not my will. Your will. How much you want to pay? Not my will. Hello? Do we do that? We are picky. But when it comes to eternity, not my will. Your will. Yeah, the saying Where did we get that word? We are rooted not as sons and daughters. I want to challenge you where you are at. We talked about if the sun sets you free, we are free. Do we really walk in the freedom? Do we really think we are sons and daughters of God? Or do we just chaltaye, life goes, I'm also going. Three more years, brother. Ellur, I'm in bond, you know. Once the bond is over, I'm just surviving. No, you don't need to survive. You can celebrate. Servant survives.